here we go. Welcome to Live from America podcast. Uh, this is Hatem along with Mr. Norm Dorman, the owner of the Comedy Cellar. Our guest is a very funny comedian, Kate Herman. Hello. Hello. And a very funny comedian and almost regular here, we love him, John Lester. Hello, sir. What's and good, our, our guest of honor, as you see behind me, uh, Lindsay <laughs> Boylan. Lindsay is running for Congress in New York City in the 10th District, and she's running against Jerry Nadler, who was in his 15th term in Congress and was leading the impeachment speech, uh, I mean, proceeding against Trump. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Lindsay. That's a tough one. No, Welcome. I think it was great. I think, you, I think you said it exactly right. It was like a nice lead-in to me, like we need change. People were actually going to do something, not say something. And I... I know I'll follow along with how you want to talk, but I will say so that I ingratiate myself already to you every day. I, I mute more politicians and I follow more comedians. So I just think that that's where we need to be going in this country. Yes. <laughs> you got my vote. Yeah. <laughs> where do you live, John? I'm in, uh, I'm in uh, Bed-Stuy or Stuyvesant Heights. I think it is. It is the 10th district. Right on the edge, just outside, yeah. but right there. I mean, yeah. you're cool. You can tell a bunch of people. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, Lindsay, why don't you uh, tell us about yourself a little bit and why did you decide to run for Congress to start? Sure, sure. So, um, I live in Chelsea, which is in the heart of our district. It's the New York's 10th Congressional District goes from the Upper West Side, Columbia University, all the way down the West Side, Lower Manhattan, parts of Brooklyn, including Sunset Park, Red Hook, uh, and in Borough Park and a few other areas, including Kensington and Gravesend. And like you said, they've had the same guy leading it for almost 30 years. And it happens to also be the most unequal district in the country. So all that stuff that we're seeing in terms of people not even being able to make ends meet, not being able to advocate for themselves, even as essential workers, dealing with the city and the mayor and all this stuff, is happening right in this community. And uh, I've spent a career in public service. In my 20s, I managed Bryant Park, a few other public spaces in the city, um, went to Columbia Business School, working there full time, ended up working for the state of New York, worked directly for the governor, who I have mixed, complicated feelings towards if we want to go there. <laughs> I'm sure there's content. Oh, we will um, go. But I got to be, yeah, I got to be the jobs person for the state of New York. and. Um, that's going to be a huge part of the future. How do we help a lot more New Yorkers come back or stay here or actually make it work for more people here? And I helped pass uh, paid leave and the $15 wage in New York. I got hundreds of millions of dollars for NYCHA, New York City's public housing. And I think we need people in Congress like myself who aren't afraid to be direct, who aren't afraid to challenge the hierarchy of the system, which is what I'm even doing in this run. And it's just time. I think it's way past time. And everything that's happening right now shows us that the leaders we have aren't up to the, the, the gravity at this moment. And I'm a mom, so everyone likes moms. So how, how are you campaigning? Oh, go ahead, John. You want to say something? No, go ahead. Uh, how, how are you campaigning right now? I mean, it's a different ball game now, right? Like there's People can can go out. All the all the corona, all the uh, yeah. you know, like what do you what do you do from home? You campaigning from home? Yeah, there is. A, I mean, as I said, I mean, I'll show you my messy like office spaces right here with all my notes and everything. But um, you know, I've been asked this question a bunch of times. What does that look like to campaign? Um, I have never had a 
more, more direct conversations about what people need and how they need their government leaders to act for them than right now. So if I, six months ago, saw any, any, any of you on the street and tried to give you a flyer, you'd be like, lady, I don't want for selling. I'm too busy with my life. Well, now we're at a point where nothing's working for most people. Nothing in, in our city, our state, and our country is functioning like it should. So I'm getting to talk to people for long periods of time. I'm, I'm spending hours and hours a day on the phone with people in our community and they're in pain and all kinds of pain. They're, they're experiencing trauma. They're afraid about their job. They're afraid about getting unemployment. They're afraid about uh, getting arrested by the cops and getting beaten up or having some really bad situation happen to them that they're observing online. So my experience, though I would never choose this moment in any way, shape, or form for anyone um, in this country, is absolutely the case that people are so dialed in to wanting government and needing government to work for them, and it's not. So I'm having no problem connecting with people. Um, it's been in that way very good because I feel like I can do a lot with this energy of what people need because I can reach them. And they don't, they're not like I'm too busy. They're like, Oh, you're someone who wants to take responsibility. Have at it. How do, how do you how do you differ from Nadler? So he's passed three things of his own in 30 years, and now I think he's had number four this year. But uh, one of those is naming a building after the guy who died in office, so he could get the seat. He takes as much money directly from corporations as he does from people. His biggest corporate donors this past year were Google and Facebook. Um, the same kind of actors that he's going to have to regulate in antitrust hearings. Well, can I ask a question? But corporations can't—they can't donate un unlimited money to his campaign, right? Can't, it's like three thousand dollars or something, right? Yeah, it is. Um, but you—if you get it from a ton of different, so let's say on a, a quarterly basis, I—I I bring in let's say a hundred thousand dollars from people. He brings in about $100,000 from people and about $125,000 or $150,000 directly from corporations. So I just named a few, but when you pile all those up together, it ends up being a really meaningful number. Um, right, gonna, I'm, I'm going to be a little, uh, you know, sure. in here. And I'm, I, I can't stand Nadler, just, so, just for the record. So, so sure. I'm just telling you, but just to be, I just want to be fair. Sure. You can't, I mean, I have a corporation. I might donate to a candidate. Nadler is the congressman. You're a candidate. Um, of course, they're going to donate to him. I, I don't know. Yeah. Are you saying that he's? Are you saying that he's doing their bidding? Or am, am I'm I, saying am that I, no. Am I supposed to be against because he got donated to? No, it's a good question. It's a great question. Um, I don't think politicians should be taking any money directly from corporations. I personally think that you you run your own business. You want to give me a max out check, which I'll send you a link later on. <laughs> I would be happy to have you do it, but I will never in my career take money directly from corporations because there's no world in which there's anything other than them expecting me to do their bidding, whether or not I do it. I don't, I don't, under, I don't understand that either. So what difference does it make if I give it to you from my corporation or from me? It doesn't have any less effect it's the, the, the implied bargain is no, if Jeff, if, um, if Mark Zuckerberg writes a personal check or yeah. writes on Facebook, 
you that's a distinction without a difference in terms of the 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 obligation uh that created by the by the donation so what's the difference whether it comes from a corporation or not well i hear what you're saying but first of all i wouldn't want to check for mark zuckerberg i think you're saying like any any anybody who owns a corporation okay you don't want money from corporations no problem i'll write it for my personal checkbook wink wink deal is done Right. Well, well, I, we can agree. We can, ha- we can agree to disagree on that one. Cause I think it's really noxious for our society. And I think a whole Supreme court case that ruled against people and in favor of corporations, citizens United showed us how shitty that is. Um, well, citizens, citizens but- United, hold on. So, citizens, so, so I don't know why you disagree with me because I think it's obvious that if somebody donates money, whether it's from their personal account or their corporate account, it's the same entity. I am my corporation. Most people right. are their corporation. I have a corporation to protect me from liability. Right. And it doesn't affect, I mean, half the time people get money from me, they don't even know whether it's coming from me or my corporation. Right. But as far as Citizens United goes, let me just say that first of all, the ACLU supported Citizens United, number one. Number two, if Citizens United had gone the other way, that would have meant that somebody making a documentary about Hillary Clinton during an election time Mm-hmm. would have been a criminal. I've never understood it. Even Lawrence Tribe, even Lawrence Tribe supported, um, Lawrence Tribe supported Citizens United because although I understand why people don't like it, the alternative yeah. was surreal. You can't criminalize a political documentary during an election season. You just can't. And that's well, I think we're, I think we're, I think we're sort of blending things here. I, I am not Lawrence Tribe, and I have disagreed with him a lot over the last year. I think, um, I think you can be an extremely intelligent person, person, and be wrong sometimes. Um, but you were asking me how I would draw distinctions between myself and the congressman. One of those ways is that I will never take money from corporations, which we can agree to disagree on that one, and that's fine. But if it's okay with you, if you don't mind, I'd love to go on with what I was saying. So. Um, the next thing I was saying in terms of policy, um, you know, Nadler's been painted, and I think a lot of his generation have, as a progressive, as someone who really gets what we should be concerned with, who gets Medicare for all, who has supported it, who has been behind the Green New Deal. Well, how much can you behind, be behind something if you don't actually use your seniority and your power to see it done? But let me go specifically to a policy issue, particularly on technology which is why in my mind it matters that he takes money directly from tech companies and is supposed to regulate antitrust hearings as the chair of the judiciary. FISA reauthorization is going to basically, um, you know, enable our law enforcement officials at state and federal level to in essence use peaceful protests and other forms of people acting out and, and voicing their concern with their own government that that'll enable our government to use that against people like it was used against people in Occupy Wall Street. And uh, I think an entire generation of leaders like Congressman Nadler, who's a key quarterback of getting FISA reauthorized right now, and I'm not making that up, you can look it up, um, that is on the wrong side of history. And unfortunately, I think it may be a combination of them not even understanding the nuance of what's happening with technology. For instance, one of his staffers, his camp- not his campaign staffers, his congressional staffers, um, didn't understand the technology of the voter databases well enough to know that if they marked me dead, like they did my entire team, we could easily see that it was them that did it. And we could have, you know, a follow-up to that. And I only bring this up because it's funny and also serious, but also because it just shows that there are a whole host of people who don't even understand the implications of certain uses or lack of restrictions on technology and how it's going to affect 
everything else we do. And I can tell you this much, he doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. Um, well, me, so that's another thing. I, 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 I'm mindful that I think I, you sound, I understand what you're saying and I, I think I agree with you, um, but, I, I, but I would also turn that against you in the following way. Sure. Um, now, I, I'm, I'm coming to, by the way, uh, as somebody who was paying everybody $15 an hour, I think yep. already two years prior to the time they raised the wage. But what yep. they did, they, they raised it in two steps. First, they raised the minimum wage for the waiters and waitresses who were already making many of them over a thousand dollars a week in tips. Um, and that's, that was seen. And I remember saying time, well, they don't know what they're doing here. Like why the, the kitchen people are working in kitchens for 11 bucks an hour all over the yep. city. And they're raising yep. the wages on tipped employees to, to an absurd yep. level. Number. And then they went and raised the wage to $15 an hour in restaurants at a time when we know that 50% of restaurants are on the verge of bankruptcy. 50% of them go broke, uh, you know, within yep. three years. They say, well, what do they think is going to be the consequence here of raising the wage higher when the restaurants are already um, going broke? And, and then I'll add one more thing to it. And then, you know, I, have a, I had a teenage son. I'm like, he's living at home. And they're getting, they, what can he, and he doesn't know anything. He's, what can they, what can he do that's worth $15 to anybody? <laughs> why can't, why can't a starter job? Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then but the flip side of that is, but the flip side of that is, and this is very important. And how can a guy with a family actually live on $15 an hour? So why not allow the wage to sit where it should be and then give people extra money who need it, who have families, who have dependents, so that if, if you're trying to raise a family of four on 12 bucks an hour, the government gives you a check to supplement you. And if, you, and if you're a kid living at home or a single person or a kid just out of college learning a skill, work for 12 bucks an hour and build yourself up because this $15 an hour, I mean, we may sort of squeak by it during the biggest economic boom of our kind of generation, but when things go back to normal, you're going to put everybody out of business or you're going to kill jobs. And it, it seems to me the flip side of what you're saying about Nadler is that he doesn't understand technology and you guys don't understand business. Right. Well, well, well let me just I understand. You have no idea. Well, let me just say something. No, I was the business person for the state of New York. The congressman has. You're the people who don't. Had... You were the people who don't. You're the people. You okay. guys. Can I finish my can I just finish my thought? Yeah. I, yes, I, I, yes. I, I love what you're saying. I have a lot to react to. Yeah. Um, so I was the business person for the state of New York. Um, my job was to try and diversify the economy, which is to bring in tech companies, to bring in the life science industry, jobs, industries that can bring more jobs to New York. Because what we learned in the financial crisis, I think a fair number of people on this call were young enough to know that a lot of their friends got screwed over and not just in the financial sector with the financial crisis. A lot of restaurants closed. A lot of, a lot of shitty things happened to a lot of good people. So I am never in the interest. I'm never seeking to do anything that hurts small business, that hurts working people. Um, I do believe we need a minimum wage. Um, if, if you're saying that we should totally reorganize ourselves and not have a minimum wage whatsoever, which it sounds like you are, I think that's a different conversation. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that you guys went and raised it above the level that Hillary Clinton had said was well, way too high. 
Well, Hillary Clinton was my um, superhero when I was in high school. And I think we all grow up and get past our superheroes and realize that they're fallible and imperfect people like I have. Um, I literally went to the same college because I met her after waiting for three hours outside a Senate hearing. I went there with student body president just like she was. So I come from a place of having loved Hillary Clinton. But something happened post-2016, I think, where even more people said, I can't make ends meet and my country's not helping me. And uh, I think that there are probably other ways to deal with the very good problem you're talking about. And I want to go back to restaurants, especially in just a second, but I don't think not having a minimum wage that increases to reflect um, inflation that increases to reflect the real costs in people's lives is the approach to that. I do think there are other ways to get past that. Another thing, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, no, if you pay in 15%, uh, $15 an hour, there is hundreds of other businesses I know, they not, you know what I'm saying? And they're gonna use it. If they were not forced to, not only are they not gonna give you the 15, they're gonna give me less than the minimum. And I've seen it all over. Go ahead, oh, hold on. Go ahead, if, if they're gonna give you less than the minimum, they're not gonna go up to 15 when you raise it. They're already operating illegally. And, that, and that's a whole nother matter. But the, the fact so now is- Now with that, that restriction, they all have to do it. The fact is that, you know, you, there has to be some logic to it. So why not raise it to $30 an hour? I mean, at some point, you have to decide that um, the, the cure is worse than the disease, that if, if, you, raise it to a, if you raise it to a wage, which ends up um, putting people out of business so that, there are no, so that you destroy the jobs, then it's counterproductive. And I'm telling you that you don't need to be, have that much knowledge of business if you, if you know for a fact that, uh, I don't know if it's actually 50%, but we've heard the stats. It's somewhere around there that 50% uh, of businesses um, can barely meet don't have more than one week's payroll in the bank, um, but, but, then, but, then, then, then when you raise that wage, let's not pretend you are not deciding to put a certain number of those businesses out right. of business. Now that's fine, but let's just not pretend otherwise. Can I just say this? Go ahead, John, go ahead. Just, just three quick things. Number one, if you, if you say no, let's not pay these people 15 bucks an hour, let's pay them 12 and then subsidize the difference. You know that those are two very different political ideologies that would never be passed. The people who don't want minimum wage raised would say, we're not going to then support some fucking welfare state. That's what they would call it, number oh, one. No, wait, 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 let me finish. Let me finish. Just three quick points. Number two, there is zero evidence of the places where, it's the, where it started in the Northwest of them going to the uh, $15 minimum wage up in places like Seattle, Portland. Those places didn't tank. Those economies, there's zero evidence that everyone's going to be out of work. You start paying people $15 an hour, there's hundreds of thousands of people that have a lot more money to spend. So this nonsensical yeah. argument of, oh, if we go up to $15 an hour, all the businesses are going to crash. Where? Where yeah. have you seen it? Other than you I, just throwing it out there. Well, I've I, never I, seen I, it. First of all, there were big stories in New York about like, like Union Square um, Cafe, or the, 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 whatever, those famous places. Big Anec places. Anecdotal evidence. The cafe, yeah. Big the cafe. places. Well, 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 I think what's interesting about Union Square Cafe is that's run by Danny Meyer, and he actually pays all of his employees. Oh, it wasn't Union Square Cafe. It was, it was the, the, what's the other big place that was in Union Square that had a Brazilian... <laughs> Whatever, I'll, it'll come to me. But it was a big. I had, I had, a, I had a college coach that, could, that used to say, "Anytime you can name names, there weren't many." 
And, and, and there's another thing. Right, another, another, another that's point. good. I'm going to keep that. Thank let, you. Let, let, me, let me say one more point. Why is it always the most expensive thing is when we pay human beings? But if the rent goes up, it's okay. If the, mm -hmm. uh, if, if the meat goes up, it's okay. Everything else is okay. When it comes to human beings getting paid more, oh, that's what's thinking the business. Maybe because the rent goes up and instead of going up like 10% every year, maybe it should go up 7%. But it doesn't take, but it doesn't take the business. There's been a bunch of cities that have gone to Absolutely. A It's almost like the same argument they made when you legalize weed, Denver's going to be a fucking wild, wild west shoot up town. They legal, they, it was the same argument from people on the right. They legalize weed. Denver is prospering. So it's a nonsensical argument. Until you show me a city that went under when they go up 15 bucks or make weed legal, then we can have this conversation. Otherwise, it's just you throwing out some idea that if we pay 15 bucks an hour, the city's going it, to... It's never happened. So I'm it reading from... C hold on. I'm reading for C from CNBC.com. I don't know if... It uh, talk about Seattle, affects the Seattle minimum wage. Let me just find the, the date on this. Um, this is uh, January 2nd, 2020. It says, studies of the effects of Seattle wage hike have had different findings. A 2017 University of Washington study found that while wages went up, hours work declined, resulting in less pay for low wage workers. So, okay, then there's, a, but there's another, there's a contrasting opinion, but in the follow-up published last year, they noted that this wasn't the case for everyone, and experienced workers in low-wage jobs saw their earnings rise. So let's not pretend there are not trade-offs here. Another, um, well, let me let me just offer another trade-off in that you can have a ton of employees who work at a McDonald's in our state. They work full time, and they're on fucking food stamps, SNAP benefits. That means this state and our government is. Am I allowed to swear? Is that okay? On yeah, the show? yeah, it's fine. Sorry. Yeah. I swear. You just have, um, okay, yeah, but yeah, you can swear. Okay, so I'm sorry. You can be, beat me out. Um, that means that government is subsidizing the fact that these people aren't being paid enough to live, and they're working full time. It means when you go up and I get, we get. I'm a busy mom. I've got a six year old. I don't cook, so we go to McDonald's a lot. And when I drive up to the counter and I get an egg McMuffin, the fact that my order costs more than that person is going to make in an hour is totally unconscionable. Well, you're, making that is my, you're making my argument because obviously, no, if you, yes, you are, because I'm saying that people no, should no. be helped. I'm, well, I'm saying that people should be helped if they can't make ends meet. I, I, I believe that very strongly. And by the way, I think that's, it's a kind of a conservative point of view in terms of economic policy as opposed to a welfare state. But, but leaving that aside without getting sucked into that point is that if actually you end up just reducing hours and they don't actually come home with more money, obviously that's not getting you anywhere. And, and B, if, if you reduce jobs altogether, that's not getting you anywhere. And C, I'm wondering if we all think that the lowest level job, the guy who takes a job boxing something, a kid, who, uh, you know, the, the first job is supposed to be a job that you can support a family on. Because that means- yes. yes. That, yes, well, that, yes. I, that, I don't think that's ever been the case, and I don't think it's realistic because. Okay. If, okay, if, where do you draw the line? My grandfather, who is a, a doorman on the Upper East Side his whole life, does he does he warrant any less just because he, he did it when he was eighteen and then he would do it when he was thirty eight? Does that mean that the age difference warrants him not getting paid? Yes, you should be able to live off uh, of a full-time job. I, I agree with you. And, and let's, let, let's move well, on. Well, hold on a you, it's not, it's, you should be able to is different than whether, I, mean, I wish, I mean, it's like I'm saying, Actually, so, so then raise it to $30. What, what is the, where is the real world analysis that requires people to say, 
to, to make the tough choices between what they wish were true, what we all wish were true, right. and actually is feasible. If I, right. if I, what's the lowest level job, you know, like I said, boxing, uh, uh, bagging groceries. I want to be able to support a family of four bagging groceries. Now imagine, so that guy gets $20 an hour, which is closer to what you need. And now the wage, now the, now the manager who is making $20 an hour says, the guy bagging groceries is making the same as me. I want $25 an hour. And now the senior manager. Imagine that. And it ripples all the way up and then the store closes. And then it's insane. No, I think that's fine. I mean, honestly, honestly, if that's why, the big problem just, we have. Why are we just, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are we just letting that fly? The store closes. No, because you know what? Now you got somebody making 15 bucks an hour in your store. Exactly. Somebody making 20 bucks. There's a lot more money. Why is the store got to close? They exactly. can really afford to exactly. spend some fucking money. Oh, no, oh, well, okay. So what you're saying is that we just raise our prices and then everything evens out. Well, you can. And then we, just, and then we just make everything more expensive again. And they're right back to not being able to afford it again. Kate, what do you think, Kate? Well, I, I, specifically for you, Lindsay, like I think that Chelsea is a very interesting area where you have these like extremely wealthy people, all of these yep. new developments going up, like with the High Line and everything. You have School of the World overlooking like a project. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And yep. so you just have like this really weird like version. Of, yeah, like a, a weird dichotomy with economics. Well, I live on a nice block, no so, one's here. I, yeah. so, like, I my thought is, uh, it, it's not so much on how much you pay people, but how much things cost once they have the money. Yep. And yep. so, like, they can't afford to stay Inflation. in their home or send their kids to like the good school across the street. Then it just is. It that's always been like what kind of spirals generation. Yeah. You know. Yes, absolutely, and I, that's exactly right because. The reason why healthcare became really this central convergence point is because it started to take more and more up of people's incomes as a percentage of what they bring home. And it's exactly to your point, the number, and, and no, I think it's not that different than what you're saying in a way. I don't want to say I agree with you, but there's this idea that like being so strict about it's more about how do you actually help people um and i will say um again at the risk of trying to sound like i'm agreeing with you which i probably am not um the 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 fact that a third of our city is works in like freelance type work or gig economy or in the hospitality sector means that a lot of things that our federal government is trying to do right now aren't helping anyone right so like the small business loan program if you're supposed to hire back all of your employees and you run a local restaurant, but you have to hire them all back within the month, but you're only going to be able to see 25% of the people and no one is going to want to eat out and none of your workers are going to want to come to work and they can get paid more, you know, staying on this emergency unemployment. I understand these problems are difficult and it's not that I think that there's a blunt force object that is going to solve all of them. Um, but I do think that we've kind of that we've lost focus on what is most important and we cannot expect people to be good because we want them to be we have to do certain we can't expect on you know charitable support okay. for hospitals we can't so, expect so all those things we have to do certain things let me say something first of all while, while we're doing this i'm googling and there and i don't want to be accused of cherry picking there are, there are economists who don't think that the minimum wage will, will hurt and i invite anybody listening to to go and google for themselves i don't want to Anybody think I'm just trying to pick out the one that supports my point of view. But I'll tell you this, two things. So I, throughout my career, Hatem knows this. He knows me a long time. We've been in situations many times 
yeah. where we had to cut hours and cut um, uh, employees just just to uh, make ends meet, where we were, we were one snowstorm away from um, bankruptcy. And, and we were always one of the more successful places. The life of a restaurant is almost always on the edges. And at, yes. at, at those times in my life, if you would come in and say, we're going to raise your payroll by whatever it is, 15, 20% by law, I would have, I would have had to throw in the towel and I can't. And, and if you, and if you want to, yeah, and if, I get and, that. And, and if you're not ready to grapple with the fact that, that what I'm telling you is, is true, I would respectfully say you're not actually forcing yourself to really live in the real world because what I'm telling you is true. But, and number but who, two, said, who said I never but, said that wasn't true? I okay. So, okay. True. Fair enough. And the number two is this. I've said many times, you know, we built the Empire State Building in this country in, yeah. 13, in 13 months during a depression, 13 months from drawing board to building. Um, it took us, well, I don't know, 12, 13 years to replace the Freedom Tower, but the, the World Trade Center. But more importantly, I wanted to renovate my kitchen in the olive tree, uh, which had no effect on the inside of the restaurant, just literally moving a wall forward so that what used to be a bar area would become part of the kitchen. It took me about seven months from the time the construction commenced. And um, if, if I didn't have significant savings, it would have put me out of business. All to jump through all the different hoops, landmark, this, that, yeah. candy, the approvals, inspections, whatever just to move a wall to allow my kitchen to be bigger. And if you don't think that that is killing, killing, oh, killing the economy. I, I think it's killing. No, no, I do. I do. I um, mean, yeah, but, but, but the point is that I have never, I, I want to, but any, anybody who would run for office saying we need to take a, an intelligent look at some of this regulation, which is breaking the back of business. Um, there's more regulations out there than simply the ones designed to treat people humanely. There's ridiculous regulations. And, you know, it's analogous to the police in a way. I'll tell you this. I, used, I was always against the seatbelt law way back when, because I, John will be shocked to hear me say this. I used to say, it's just going to be another excuse for the cops to come in and pull black guys over. You're not wearing your seatbelt. A lot of these rules, that, these well-intentioned rules that come down, it's the same thing. It's just another excuse for an inspector to come in and get us. Do you know that if we... You ever go to a restaurant where they see the straw and the, the paper is pulled off, but the top of the straw is still in? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's apparently a health department violation. They never yeah. told us it was, but yeah. apparently that's a health department violation. So do you know what they come in and do? First of all, they don't send you a letter saying, by the way, we know many restaurants are doing this. We want to let you know you, you can't do this anymore. So from now yeah. on, but no, they don't do that. They come out all the same time. And they get you for it, Even because they know everybody's doing it. Because something get money from you. This is this is our government and work. How can we get money from them? And then what do they do? They don't give you one violation. They count up every straw and give you a violation for each straw. And if you want yep. to know why there's so much resentment towards government by business owners, it's a yep. racket. And then you and 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 then if I say, listen. And again, I'm not lying. I was always at $15 because I have a tremendously successful business. But that doesn't allow me to arrogantly look at the guy struggling next door and say, well, if I can afford it, you can afford it too. What, you don't care about your employees? Don't you know they're supposed to be able to support their families? Oh, well, you can't afford it? Okay, well, we'll get someone else in here who can't afford it. 
that's what the people who are we elect, that's 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 what they're going to do. There is such a shallowness from every point of view that comes down from Washington when they spend other right. people's money. And I can't believe I'm getting emotional about this, but I'm like, you don't know what it's what it how how out of touch, how tone deaf the people making these laws are about how many, you know how my employees suffered in the seven months that I was closed trying to move yeah. a wall that I could have moved in three weeks? Three weeks I could have moved that wall. Right. Everybody was out of work. And well, I, think it's, I think it's perfectly fine to be angry and I get why you are. Um, uh, hey, hey, no, no. <laughs> Virtual hug, brother. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think there, nothing that you said is, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm not intending to present myself, and I hope I haven't said anything that um, is trying to come across as not understanding the nuance of how shitty it is to try and stay alive, like especially in the restaurant business and the, and, and the service business. Um, for me, when I hear, and just having been around politics for a while, when I hear cutting regulation and taking regs away, that's usually like subtext for a Republican, like let's take away things that help people. And so maybe I'm not saying it in a way that that is getting across to you, but it's important that I do. So I would like you to know that, I mean, I'm a fucking introverted person, sorry. Um, I don't really wanna be doing any of this, but I love trying to fix problems. Mm. I'm a natural introvert, which everyone's like, how could you possibly wanna be in politics and do that? I prefer to listen in a room and um, I can tell you, I'm hearing everything you're saying and it pretty, pretty much pairs pretty well with especially a lot of the restaurants and bars that I've talked to owners of in our district. And um, it's not that I don't get that. It's just that I think um, we need to elect a lot more people who are going to say, here are the basics of what everyone should be able to expect in this country. And can, can I tell you how it backfires, by the way, in terms of helping sure. people? So, so when, when COVID first started, sure. um, listeners know, I was way ahead of this. And I was trying to get like my local school board to close down at the end of February. And I was being called a fear monitor. And I began to try to see what I could do to protect my employees. Yeah. So the first thing I wanted to do was to take their temperature. And I was told, no, that's illegal. You can't do that. Then I was told, I said, well, how about if I just buy some thermometers and let them take it voluntarily? No, I would advise, my lawyer said, no, you absolutely can't do that. I did it anyway. I, I, bro I broke the law. I did it anyway. You want to be the Surgeon General? Wait, then I, I wanted to close down. This, is, this, will, this should make your head spin. Then I wanted to close down prior to the, the mayor or the governor of the state of New York telling us to close down. And I was told, no, you can't close down until they tell you to. I said, but it's dangerous. Because the, the law, if you don't close down properly with enough notice, you can be called discriminating. Then I was told, what if I, I have some employees who need money? I have employees with families. Can I lend them money? No, I was told. You cannot lend your employees money because if you lend the, the white employee money, the black employee can sue you for discrimination. You know, all kinds of craziness. Every one of these dumbass regulations which was designed to help people yeah became a, a way to, yeah. to my employees to suffer and what do yeah. i do so of course i did lend them money 
behind yeah. behind the government's back. I did take their temperature behind the back. I did close down for cleaning because apparently that was a way to do it Ill illegally because I was so sure it was going to shut down. I broke the law left and right on behalf of the people who work for me. I knew yeah. you was racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What, I'm what, what I'm saying is very, very deep here. And it really ought to make it like, like every one of these well-intentioned laws, not everyone, yeah. so many of these well, as a business, you want to know why business people don't respect the law? is because the law is a bunch of well-intentioned ideas that we have to figure out how to get around. And Just that's why, that's why we vote for somebody business. new. What's that? Yeah. That's why we vote for somebody new, here no, no, and now. But listen, I mean, really, I'm saying, so, so you don't know how often we have to say to our professionals, okay, how do I get around this? Not because we're trying to take advantage of somebody, because yeah. we're trying to do something good. The, yeah. the law is such a dumb, blunt instrument. Well, yeah. well, 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 no, all of this stuff needs to be constantly tweaked. Do you know what yes. I mean? Yeah. They never tweak it back. Once it's there, they never repeal anything. They well, never tweak right. anything well, back. Well, that's, well, that's different. Never. Well, that's different from the law is a, a, is a dumb, blunt object. It just needs to be tweaked. They never yeah. tweak it, John. Well, well I've never seen that's, tweak. that's what needs to happen. It won't well, happen. Uh, uh, Institutionally, that can't happen because because as she says, she's right. Either it's true or it's demagogue. If you want to cut something, you're a Republican out to hurt people. But no, I'm not. It was like, you know, I'll, give you a perfect, I'll give you a perfect example. The New York Times, uh, what's his name? Um, Lindsey Graham, who I think just got outed. But Lindsey Graham had said at the time that they were passing the uh, emergency legislation that if we raise unemployment wages too high, people won't want to come back to work. You remember that? And by the way, which is which is exactly the case. I, I, I don't want to get too detailed, but I, for, I forewent the PP, using the PPP money because it would have forced my employees to take less money than they were making from, from unemployment, so I couldn't give it to them. The New York yeah. Times didn't, the editorial page of the New York Times didn't refute him. They called him mean-spirited. They literally, literally called him names. And that was the way they disposed of the argument that, hey, you know what, let's be smart here because if people can make $1,100 to sit home, why are they gonna come back to work for $800 plus 40 hours plus risking their health? Like, why would cats they, why, are annoying when you spend too much time with them, no. You need to why, get out of the house. Why would, they, why would they even come back for $1,200 yeah. If they have to work yeah. 40 hours and maybe take risk when they can sit home for $1,100. But the point yeah. is that, one is this, that rather than be able to have a civil conversation here between Republicans and Democrats, say, well, okay, let's, let's, something, sometimes things are not what they appear. Sometimes things are counterintuitive. Sometimes partisanship doesn't account for everything. Maybe we have to worry about this. No, what's the immediate thing? They attack you. They call, you don't care. You're mean-spirited. And, and before you know it, we just shut up. We just shut up. It was, and it's similar, it's similar actually it's similar actually to this thing with Tom Cotton in, in the in the New York Times now where like I was just looking at this now so they, they get rid of the New York Times solicits this view um, the Times uh, goes employees going nuts so Jeff Greenfield tweets about Senator Cotton and Jeff Greenfield is not a conservative about Tom Cotton's op, uh, op in the New York Times. If you don't want an op-ed page that prints views you strongly disagree with, you don't really want an op-ed page, do you? You want a my-ed page. So he's saying, like, if you, if you don't want to deal with opposing opinions, then you don't want an op-ed page. And, and Jamel Bowie, and I have a Jamel Bowie story, writes back, free and open discourse carries an implicit, an implicit quote, within the accepted bounds of democratic society. So in other words, 
yes, we want free ideas, but within the bounds of what's accepted in society. And, and, and bound, I, I don't think boundary is the right analogy there. I think it's landmines because a boundary you can see, like I didn't know that discussing what to do about looting was outside the bounds of acceptable society. But apparently the New York Times has told me that. And this is a Jamel Bowie story. So we, were, we organized debates in the Comedy Cellar and we were gonna do one at the time. It was a hot issue on reparations. And I knew it was risky to do, a, but this was a number one issue being talked about. It's a debate. Yeah. I, thought, I thought debates were a good thing. Um, Jamel Bowie agreed to do it. Then when he found out that our friend Coleman Hughes was going to be on the um, panel, he writes back, uh, I don't think Coleman Hughes is worthy of my debating him. So he backs out. So I wrote back, um, okay, well, uh, who would you then recommend? Who would you be happy debating uh, uh, with? You know, because you know, we just want to have the debate. Maybe you know, and he ghosted us. He agreed to do it. As soon as he found out there was going to be opposition that was formidable, he backed out and never answered another email. And then we got attacked by a whole nother group of uh, politically correct people. Threatened. You've had a shitty few years. Hold on. We, <laughs> we got, we got, our manager got doxxed. We were threatened and we had to cancel the debate. And this all ties in together with, with you know, I know it's, such a, it's a crazy train of thought, but when you say like, you're right, you can't discuss even taking any regulations away. You don't have to admit to it. As, as a Democratic congressperson, you can't. Actually, you that's can, not you what I said, though. I didn't you, say that. I'm say I didn't this. say that. And I didn't you mean that. I mean, for instance, can't. for instance, for instance, the um, sidewalk shed laws, which make buildings have to check their facades every three years because there was a very unfortunate reality where I think a little girl got killed by a piece of a falling building. Now, the way that that has been, um, that has shifted is that more people die or are injured from the scaffolding that you put up to do the checks every three years. And now I'm not saying that the, the automatic prescription is taking that away or changing it, but I never said we don't continuously have to reframe so, and yeah. retool the laws that we have, because we have to. That's the only way it exactly, works. Yeah. You gotta so, keep so, yeah, so a couple of things. I want to go through different issues so the listeners sure. can know Lindsay's opinion and all that. You know, but first, I have a sure. question. And I so, have to leave it too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So um, part of your uh, district is uh, Borough Park, which yep. is a lot of Trump supporters. So you how do you... Jews, you Orthodox Jews? Yes, Orthodox Jews, your people. So how do you plan... And on the Upper West Side, actually, a lot of Trump supporters as well. So how do you plan to... Uh, or how, what was your strategy to, to try to win these votes? You know, I, it's interesting, um, and there's a lot of interest in, in this, in how I would be received in Borough Park. And I, so I get the question. Um, I'm a young, younger, comparatively woman. I'm not Jewish. Um, You're not Jewish. I have to tell, I'm not <laughs> Jewish. I know. I know. I know. I was not born lucky. I'm voting for you. Oh, no, you weren't born on. chosen. You weren't born chosen. If you were Jewish, you would have chosen. a business that complain about it all day. Uh, well, <laughs> well I, what I would say, so, so I, but my experience of what it's like to try and connect with, with our community in Borough Park has been the total opposite of what people assume it would be. I have been received so well. I have people sending me debate 
ideas saying, no, don't, don't give on this point. Don't give on this point, Lindsay, blah, blah, blah. I, I have been. I, th I think well they would like you more, more than Nedler because of the impeachment thing. Don't you well, think? I'm going to tell, tell you how to win that vote, that, that community's vote. Mm -hmm. You just go publicly and say, so long as we're uh, allowing these uh, protests against uh, police brutality, which, which I support, you, can, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for you, which I support, we will yes, also yes. allow the Orthodox community to gather however they want to. Yeah, for minions and whatnot. Yes, Any, and I've whatever, been whatever, saying whatever, whatever they want to. Whatever they but want the to. Way, because the whole point of rights is the person in charge doesn't get to decide whether they agree with your viewpoint or not or whether it's yeah, important or I not. I agree, I agree. But I would say it goes even deeper than that because... Oh, that's all they need um, to hear, though. <laughs> no, That's I all they need to hear. Nat Nadler won't say that. I'm no, nice. I mean, I, I have said that in so many ways with respect to a lot of things like the curfew and um, people organizing in Minions where you have to go to your shul really to do it. And there are a lot of logistical issues. There are a lot of logistical issues with the summer camps where people really expect for our state to find a way to make that work for our health care, um, for our health as well in this public health crisis. But I think one of the saddest things I've observed in Borough Park is that there's just a lot of assumptions about what people in any part of our district, but especially Borough Park, care about. Um, you know, it became uh, important to talk about um, anti-Semitic cases uh, in, in this year, and I was at the, the No Hate uh, Solidarity March, but what I heard when I went to Borough Park is, Hey Lindsay, this isn't new. It's just it just fits the broader message about uh, what what is being said about Trump. You have to show that you care about helping our community and stamping out all forms of hate all the time. And you don't actually even have to be that brilliant or that brave to just listen to people. And I find that especially in places like Borough Park in our community, people have not been listened to. And there's a lot of stuff that we could do to be helping. Issues of housing in a community where um, for Shabos, you need to be near your community. Like you need to stay in a tight knit community. And that requires a very different way of understanding and supporting housing issues in, in probably one of the worst, most housing uh, rent burdened uh, districts in the country. And there has been no sense of um, that. And I, I, I'll just say one more thing on this point. I was so struck and it almost made me cry a little bit like a year ago, I put almost a year ago now I posted something about, um, a holiday uh, and it, I posted a picture of a Hasidic man um, at the Wailing Wall and just it was about it was about you know showing my support for his his the worship that people have on this day even though I'm not Jewish as I said and I got a few people saying I can't believe you posted a picture of of um, an Orthodox Jew in our community because we're so often you know like it, it, I feel like there's been a lot of either ignorance or ignoring of our community in Borough Park and no one deserves to be ignored and no one deserves to have have their entire community assumed that they just are given or a, a base of support and I will never do that. Okay, so um, let me so, so let me tell you as a, as a um as a I'm going to channel a Borough Park Orthodox Jewish voter and sure. I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you why you didn't get my support. Okay. Because you didn't mention the elephant in the room that 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 that's my elephant in the room as is this following. We're the number one victims of violent hate crimes in the country right now. Or number two. No. Number one in Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. The number one victim of or, of violent hate crimes in the country by far. And um if you sir I'm I'm gonna I'm just speaking again. 
she must know that she's afraid to say it out loud. Um, she's not my, she's not, she's not. But she's I not, just said that. I just said that we just started talking about anti-Semitism when it was politically expedient for Democrats to do that. And people in Borough Park that I've talked to said that no one has been talking about how prevalent anti-Jewish hate is before this moment. So that's exactly what I just said. No, respectfully, saying anti-Semitism is very broad and very uh, much of a bromide, but to say you people, I, you, I'm, I want to be your I don't ever want to say you people. I'm yeah, never going to say you people ever. Believe me, believe me, they would not be, nobody's offended by you people if what following is, is, no. is if what follows is this. I know that you people are the number one victims of violent hate crime right now. I know that you're afraid to walk the streets because you're Jewish and I'm going to be, I'm going to be your backstop. I'm going to fight for you to make it safe for you. That's what they need to hear because that's right. what they're worried about now. Yo, and it's, Lindsay, it's, Lindsay, kind of, it's kind of what Lindsay, she said. Do me, Lindsay, do me a favor. Don't ever say you people. Yeah, yeah, I will don't. never say that. I will never say that. I will never even say that. I will never say that. Lindsay, let's move on. Next one. The police. Where do you stand? Uh, okay, I, I know I know. Noam is not going to like this. <laughs> do we, we want to wait until We don't care if Noam likes it or not. <laughs> am I really, am I, hold on, am I really giving myself away by complaining about uh, violent hate crimes? No. Okay. No, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, my, my saying you're not going to like this is because I feel like you want to be a contrarian with me because I'm triggering whatever in your mind you think politicians are. And I don't want to. I, I actually that. think that I actually think this, everything I'm saying is going to be actually helpful to you as you're, as you're formulating your opinions, because you're actually hearing it straight from the heart of somebody who you want to win over, who is not a crazy person, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, but go uh, ahead. What, what about the police? Debatable. debatable. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in the house uh, for three what months. What was the question? The police. Do, do, you want to defund, do you want to defund the police? Police. What, what, yeah, what do you do. think? Yeah, I do. Okay, so there's a few things, but no, let me finish first, okay? <laughs> okay, a few things. Um, so, and I'm the daughter of a Marine. I just like to say that so people know where I come from. I was partially raised by a cop. I don't think all cops are bad, so let me just put that aside here because I know the man who partially raised me and I know my dad are, are not bad people. They are good men, and they're largely, if, I, if, if, they, if not for them, I wouldn't be where I am today. So, can, I, that can, I, can, I, can I just say this before you, before you, yeah. before you finish the qualifying yeah. statement? Um, I don't even think you ever need to say that I don't think that all cops are, because I don't think that anyone does. And let me, let me say this. I hope yeah. that when you're talking to people, you can say anyone who thinks that all cops are bad, are probably the people who aren't in contact with cops most often. Actually, I love that. I love that. Can I steal that from you and credit you? I'm telling you. I'm yeah. telling you. Steal that. He's, because he's most people who have had actual one-on-one, -on -one, most of us who are the yeah. ones who have to deal with the cops, who are most likely yes. to get shot or killed, yes. do not think that all cops are bad. Lindsay, no. John steals John steals material from people all the time. He won't. He won't begrudge you. <laughs> So, 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 and that's very helpful. That's very helpful. So the reason why I did it, and we're all still learning how to talk in this, I don't want to, I don't want to lose anyone who I might be able to convince that I'm, I'm seeing a broader world, um, yeah. but I will never qualify it again because I also, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish what I'm about to say. So I take that point too, John. Um, I, I think we need to demilitarize the police across this country and we have uh, weaponry that should be used exclusively, if ever, in wars and war zones being used against Americans. And that creates the whole, if you build it, they will come kind of model where like, if you have tanks, if you have 
the kinds of weaponry, if you have the kinds of tactics that you use in warfare, you're going to have war with your own people. And that's what we've seen. And so, and that comes very closely from all of the special interest money that the defense industry uh, puts in the federal, puts through the federal government. You've got to have a place to put all this stuff. And, and so that's first and foremost. I do believe in, first of all, I believe in the mayor should resign. I called for that a week ago. I think he's done a terrible job. I also think the governor's done a terrible job. And the worst expressions of our leadership um, come from the top. Um, I would say the same of the, uh, from what I can tell of the commissioner who only moved to New York, even though he'd been on the force for decades, once he became commissioner, you should have to live in the city of New York if you're going to be a police officer. And if there's another issue, um, then we should solve those other problems to make it possible for people to live in the city that they, that they lead, that they, that they, that they lead in many ways. Um, I do believe in defunding the police department. Well, I, do I have only, I have only a few more minutes. To, so sure. I, I just want to say before, and then you guys can go on without me. So as, I just want to say, as far as the police go, um, I know, and John knows way better than I do, but I know yeah. many, <laughs> many stories of people who uh, had traumatic, abusive, um, Experiences at the hands of the police, innocent, yeah. uh, wholesome, hardworking people in front of me. But not once, to my recollection, was military weaponry at the root of that. I think that the you could I think that the what is actually terrorizing people, and I don't and I also don't think it's the shooting of unarmed people. I think it's much more rampant than that and much lower level and much more infuriating. But um, I don't think that that's a product of weaponry. It is a problem. It, sure. it is a product of the badge, the feeling of power, power over other people, and whatever faulty rules there are that allow this stuff to go unchecked, including union protections. But well, the I, don't, SBA, I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I think you could give cops just a baton and no guns, and you would not significantly see much difference in the way people feel they are treated by the police. You might see fewer people shot, but in many ways I'm talking about, um, once we talk about the use of military grade um, weaponry, I'm talking about once we already have protests largely in many cases, once it's escalated and the police in your sense of power can't respect the, 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 the usefulness and the civil rights and the civil liberties of people enough to not, not basically abuse it. And I agree with you that it goes a lot deeper. And um, for me, just because mental health is something I care about, just to try and draw an example here, because it's always helpful to have examples we can talk about instead of speaking from emotional places that we're all in right now. Mental health when you hear me ranting, but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 it's because it's most important to me. It has nothing to do with what you're saying, I promise I, you. I and, and I don't make jokes about mental health because I got a lot of mental illness in my family. So we don't make jokes like that. Okay, Us sorry. people don't make jokes like that. <laughs> See, I, did I do that right, John? Did I do that one right? No. As long as you're talking um, about yourself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's the one time you'll hear me say that. But okay, let me just do one quick example. And I don't, I, I agree with you on this one, Noam. It go, it's a lot more systemic. It's a lot more um, cultural in terms of the lack of accountability. That's why I think we should repeal 50A and, and make uh, police officers and the bad actors accountable because if they don't have accountability it spreads to people who are somewhere in the middle and it means that all the decisions that get made get put through a lens of knowing that you're never going to be accountable for the people you police but 
for example, the defunding movement, there was a great piece in Rolling Stone about this, like what is defunding? And I was, and I wanted to read it because I said, well, I want to make sure I'm understanding the same thing when we're all talking about this on Twitter. So I read it and what stood out to me, and I'll say, I come from three generations of women who lost custody of their kids because of mental illness and addiction. First, my grandmother, all of her kids, including my mom, then my aunt, her kids, uh, and then she committed suicide in our house. And then my sister lost custody of her kids. So the brother-in-law who raised me was in part um, a cop. That's all how it all connects. So I really care a lot about mental illness and mental health. The best thing about that article on defunding the police was why are we putting all of the onus and thus all the resources in dealing with so many problems that the police officers even shouldn't have to be dealing with? Like, why is our, our mental health emergency number go to the cops? Is it really the case that NYPD is the best to deal with that, especially when someone's freaking out? Is, is, is seeing a gun and a police officer going to help? No, it's not. It escalates the situation. It leads to more loss of life and whatnot. And that, that is a practice that is backed up by resources. And when we talk about defunding the police, we talk about altering the way we spend money to support our community. Go ahead, Kate. Sorry. Well, on to what you were just saying, um, yeah. I think like it's the same thing with like homelessness, right? Like we make it a crime to be yep. homeless and then we have the police dealing with like, yeah, we do have the police dealing with too many things that they shouldn't be, that we should have other things. I totally agree with you on that, especially the mental health thing. You see so many schizophrenic people get shot by police. Yeah. They just yeah. don't have, they shouldn't be called. Homelessness shouldn't be a, a jailable offense, like we need that's to have that housing. Am I right? Call, is that what they call the black people now, schizophrenic? <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think, like, am I naive to think that if we just changed the name to peace officer, it would remove a lot of that authority and that mentality that, like, they are actually... Absolutely you are. Yeah, absolutely naive. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, whatever. Well, what I would say is... Family, I have to go. I have to go. I'm sorry, uh, Lindsay. Even though I, 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 uh, I, even though I was might not appear to have been to feel this way, I think you're terrific, and I, I actually hope that we can speak more. Maybe come down to the olive tree and, and have a. Going to, I want to come there and be there with you and disagree with you in person. Yeah, I would like that. <laughs> I, I have to go. No, you guys. No, you don't. So I, I just want to. I'll leave you with this. Um, you know, if you have to read a Rolling Stone article to understand what defund the police. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I think that, and if, if, if what you're saying is that, well, it sounds like this, but it really means this, then they got to change the slogan because most oh. people are just going to say, to the average person, it just means, means no more police. We want right. to end the police. And if you don't mean that, then you, that you should change the slogan. No, Bye. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bad idea all around. Yeah. I don't think it resonates with anyone. Yeah, no, absolutely. It damn sure don't resonate with black people. It's, it's, it has to be a whole process. It's a non-starter. So, uh, Lindsay, uh, next, yeah. uh, what about um, open the country or not? Where do you stand on that, with the COVID? Um, the thing that's really terrible is we just put Americans through tremendous pain for two and a half months, and our government didn't do anything to prepare us for how to move forward. So not only did they not give us enough money for most families to like get by in two months, but they didn't use that time to become the South Korea of dealing with COVID. They didn't use that time to become the New Zealand of contact tracing or yeah. testing. And you know, that I think is all connected in the tremendous 
frustration and anger and, and rage that people feel about being asked to make huge sacrifices when our government is so inept at trying to use the sacrifice we're making to do something positive or change it. So, you know, we can't have, you know, a woman that uh, was the president of my local political club who lives down the street from me, you know, she died, you know, and, and I did that. That's not a personal, I understand I come from a place of privilege of having no one in my family, you know, lost in this coronavirus, but a lot of New Yorkers, over 20,000 in New York alone are dead. And it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this bad. We know that because we know what the whole world is experiencing. We have a whole bunch of test cases, unfortunately, of people doing better than us, doing better than we have. And I know we, we need to stage reopening, but I have no confidence that our leadership has really figured out how to do that. Um, and that's the scariest part right now. I think they have figured out how to do it. I think that they've thrown in the towel. Yeah, I, yeah. I said 100,000 deaths was going to be a big deal, but 103 would be quiet as a motherfucker. And it is. And the more I walk around my neighborhood, the more places that are open. So they're quietly opening places and just being like, eh, let's see what yes. happens. Yes. And I think, it's, you know, I think it's also combining with this moment where a lot of us, myself included, I feel obligated to... to be in solidarity at protests and that you had to go through your mind and say like, I'm going to be out there, but then there's also this public health crisis. And I think that that is adding to the complexity of how people react to being open or not. Right. Because we're out there in the streets, even if we're in masks and socially distancing, it is causing a lot of questions that people have in their minds. Um, I think we're going to reopen. I mean, the governor basically said that to, to an extent, um, but I'm really concerned that uh, aside from press conferences that make him, him look good, we haven't done enough to actually change things. And I say this as someone who works for the man, so I know exactly what he's doing. Um, although I'm not complicit. I'm running, I'm running on my own. I'm doing my own thing, you know? But uh, I don't think we've done nearly enough to protect people. And if you look at it, like, the saddest, most uh, cynical thing, in my view, about all this, not maybe most, because you can always find something more cynical, from our government right now, but we literally, if our nursing homes in New York state were their own country per capita, we've had like more deaths than any other, any other country in the world. Um, and the highest death rate I believe is at a nursing facility, nursing home facility in Brooklyn, um, not yeah. in our district, but right outside. And, and we, the governor was sending people who were recovering from COVID back to nursing homes. We haven't done anything to change that. And now you hear the, it not, they're saying, some people are saying the quiet part out loud. Oh, well, they were going to, you know, these are seniors who are not doing, you know, well anyways. What kind of, what kind of country yeah. has anyone in elected office saying stuff like that? That is unbelievable. And, and we should have we we closed a couple of weeks earlier too. Yes. Oh, well, well, that was the difference. The West yeah. Coast, there was a ProPublica piece, just to your point. The West Coast closed earlier and that saved probably tens of thousands of lives absolutely yeah yeah um all right next uh if you guys have any issues you want to discuss you can say what about black lives matter black lives <laughs> the movement what happened in my opinion is everything every time i said that before everything like a crime happens then we all hide and black lives matter and then it's done 
how can we keep right. how can we make sure that it continues until there is a solution that's the yeah. getting killed on videotape <laughs> yeah. i mean i, I, I mean I, I, we have in videotape yeah. we have everything like what else do we need oh yeah and but also like i was saying before about especially chelsea and like that area i think it's beyond like the policing issue uh and even the COVID issue that's like disproportionately affecting black people, black and brown people. Again, like with like the housing shit and everything. I mean, there's so many times, like especially in Chelsea everywhere that they are pushed down, not allowed to succeed. It spirals to the generations. Like what can you do to actually create avenues to help bring people up from like kindergartners on, you know? Right, right. Well, I think, you know, on a basic level, I'm, I'm wholly supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I'll say just a few observations, you know, connect to the conversation. Can I ask you something really quick, though? What do you mean supportive? Because we're all supportive, but what, what does that give to the movement? That was my, my, yeah. my point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So can I get there? Just give me one second. So there was, sure. I was, you know, I'm following mostly things on Twitter now because there's the, the things move so rapidly. I can't wait for a New York Times piece to to say what they think is the overall idea. I need to see in real time what people are saying and thinking because it represents, you know, all the videos we're seeing and everything. There was one post this morning back to our defund conversation about what it means, what it's about, and there was a lot of disagreement. And someone said, either on the thread that I was watching somewhere, because someone was saying, don't use that term, don't say this, don't do that. This will only hurt the important changes that need to happen. And then the other person responded, you don't know where this is going. None of us really do. This is a movement that is, is shifting every day. And one thing I do just wanted to be respectful of where I am in this conversation is we don't know how many days we're gonna be protesting for. We don't know how many instances of police brutality. We didn't know that that older white gentleman in Buffalo was going to be knocked down, have his head bleeding and have a bunch of cops just walk right past him. We don't, anyone, I think this, this, this absolutely necessary moment in time, this painful moment in time in this country, dealing with systemic racism is necessary, but none of us can say where it's going to end. Right. But we do know it's in my view, the one thing we can say is it's not going to be the same. It, it can't be the same in this country. And I think we have to deal with the fact that the way this country was started was in slavery. And like, I was the jobs person or economic development person of the state. So I walk around giving nice speeches sometimes saying, here's why New York is great in this. It's because we have a history of higher education and blah, blah, blah. You can say, here's why America is the way it is because we, we started this country with slavery. And if, if we don't even, if we don't even start there, I think we're not going anywhere good. And I know that that doesn't solve it, but I don't think we are going to go anywhere uh, unless. Do you see John's shirt? I ah yeah. So so and and I and I'm not trying to say that optics matter more than actions, but it's a part of it. Like you have to show up and say, I'm fucking uncomfortable. I'm sorry if I'm swearing so much, but I swear a lot these days. I'm uncomfortable, oh. and it's my job to be uncomfortable because if I'm not uncomfortable, I'm not doing anything important, right? Like that is at least at least I feel like that personally. That's what I'm bringing to the table. Um. I think we need to, I, I'm someone who believes in reparations on some level. I think we need to have, a, not just a commission, because it sounds like bullshit saying that, but we need to figure out how to do reparations effectively. Uh, I think there, the, the, the reason- so, to, to, 
to that point, Go you ahead, said Jeff. you would do that, that you would reparations, but reparations, this is where, this is where I think, unfortunately, the train goes off the track whenever somebody opens their mouth and says, I'm for reparations, right? Yeah, I don't, yeah. Think, I don't think that most white people understand, and I think that most black people are a little skittish when you say you're pro reparations because they think, I didn't have anything to do with slavery. Yep. You know what I mean, like we didn't have anything to do with that. So why are we, why are you talking about putting up money for something that we didn't have to do with? Right. The, I, I'm pro reparations, but I think that you can also explain to both parties that we're not, we, let's, let's, let's move it way past slavery. I think you, yes. can, you can do reparations for, for behaviors that the government has participated in recently, redlining. Yep. What, does that cost yep. black, yes. what does that cost the black community? What did it yes. cost us in education? Yes. What did it cost us in the primary thing that most Americans get their wealth from, housing? Yeah, actually cost? I love this. Yeah, I love I mean, this. I, I love think this. That's a, rep, a reparation that most people could say, I didn't know that happened. Yeah, it happened. We didn't yeah. get the CI bills, yeah. we didn't get the stuff that recently yeah. the government participated in, in killing our, our net worth, our bottom line as a community yeah. recently. Yeah. I don't think most people are going for the, for the general term reparations until you tell them, oh no, this, you know, this, this yeah. is how much the black community lost, including the yeah. church building. Yep, yep, yep. So this I is think that that is, time ago. This is yes. the president participated yes. in this. Yes, yes, reparations yes, that yes. Paid. I think most people will be like, Donald Trump, Donald that Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. His family was sued by the Justice Department, and that cost black people money. We're talking about that. Yes. Thing. Let's start with that. Mm-hmm. The money I that love that. And even like schools and everything. You know what I mean? Okay. Make the better the school. The neighborhood yes. that you were forced to live in, what what did that cost you in in the, the your future? Exactly. Yes. 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 But I think you can start there versus saying reparations because most people take a step back, like, oh, come on, you're going to pay back from slavery. I didn't have anything to do with that. Well, let me right. tell you what. Well, let me tell you what was going on a couple hours ago in this motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, I I love that because I think if I could respond to John, were you finishing a thought? Do you? Okay. So I love that because, and I'm trying to think of the name of the film, but uh, I, I got in touch with a documentary maker uh, of maybe it was six months ago when I saw it. It's on Netflix. I'll try to find the name, but it basically talks about our racist housing it's policy. Probably it's probably Ava DuVernay. Right. It's probably mm -hmm. Ava DuVernay. It was, I would know if it was her, but in this case, it was a dude who did it just on housing policy. I'll find it and send it to you. But it, 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 um, it basically talks about in very ways that you don't have to be a housing policy person to understand that places like Levittown, which supposedly created middle-class America, only created middle-class America for white people. Exactly. Like that Levittown is, is, right? That is what it is. The shittiest place on there. Yes. And it, and, but, and, it, right and it did it only for white people. Yes. It did it only for white people. And that's in New York. That is in our New York. So to Until your point, their basketball um, team is, got better. Until they brought black yeah. to make their basketball. <laughs> well, I just think, I think it's what you're saying is both uh, a substantive point and a strategic point. And I think that's an important thing to listen to. Fuck, um, I don't give a fuck about um, the substance. I really don't. If you can't get it done, what does it matter? I'm not into the philosophical argument. I lost you, John. You what? Are you here? Yeah. Did you? I hear you, John. You can hear, can hear us? I yeah. Hear you, 
Oh, no. Oh, I get, it got a little jumbled. It got a little jumbled. Could you say that oh. part one more time? I'm sorry. No, I said I'm really not into the philosophical debates. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Almost like yep. it's just like when um, you know, like people were like with the with the with the Hillary Clinton argument, and you know, white people are in a position to be like, oh, well, we'll vote for Jill Stein. You know, we'll do a. Black people aren't in that, but really, we're not in a position to be doing, you know, to be oh, well, philosophically. Yes. yes. Oh, fucker, yes. Can, you, can you get this done? I don't give yes. a fuck about your theoretical yes. bullshit bar yes. argument. You know what I mean? Yes. So I, I, yes. Don't, I don't believe that a reparations argument, will, just like I don't believe saying defund the police, because you got people that live in the hood that are black, will be like, yes. I don't want the fucking police deep. You know what I mean? I yes. understand that, that now you got a bunch of young white people in it like, hey, using cool buzzwords. <laughs> I'm not fucking with that. You know what I mean? I'm talking about yes. shit that's done and arguments yes. that make sense to a regular person when yes. it touches the ear, even if it's not all the way, um, e even if it's not necessarily, you know, when you do all of the, I'm, I'm saying move the, find a way to move the move ball the forward. Move the ball forward. Move the ball forward. Because if you just stay at the bullshit theoretical, like, level, you never go forward. And I think you brought up three things. Housing, like, the, the, the racist policies that defined our lifetimes, not in someone else's his lifetime yes um and that then you mentioned gi people, bills that way white people don't get to say oh i didn't have anything yeah you yeah. live in a house yes. that was part of that right yes now. yes yes the gi bills second thing like how do we how how do we give people access to an opportunity and not give them all this debt basically which is what we gave to a bunch of white dudes mostly right for a long time um, and then education which kate mentioned like i think that is really important in terms of how we move it forward. Thank and, you, you know, Kate. candidly, I, I, I never want to be like the mouthpiece as something because I don't, I don't want to come across as if I'm saying I have all the answers. That's the thing I don't want to do, which is why I kind of like, how do I place this in the context? But it's never because I, I don't want to stay in a theoretical place. So I want to make sure I get to how you're, how you're saying tactically, we've got to get shit done, basically. Yeah, you and you have to speak in a way that moves the needle. I hate to yep. say, it, Republicans are masterful at that. They are. They are. They They're are. Masterful. Climate change. What yeah. Or or right to work, huh? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna pay me four dollars an hour, so I have the right to work. Yes. 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 But you know what? Yes. Build the wall. Pro life. Pro life. Build, build the wall. People get it though. Sometimes Democrats, we want to get all into these fucking, you know, oh, like, come on with this fucking coffee shop ass argument. I get what yeah. this is. I'm, I'm an educated guy, my motherfucking self. But if that's not going to get yeah. it done, you know what I mean? I tell people, no. like, when, when I'm pitching TV shows, right, and, and my friends are always like, hey, what should I, this, that, the other? And I'm like, it's not about what I'm selling. What are they buying? Mm -hmm. yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. idea. What are these people buying? And then once I get in there, I can change shit up all I want to. Right. What does it matter if I have all these great ideas that can't get elected? What does it matter? You just you're just a coffee shop motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I really like that. I'm not <laughs> I, I have no change, interest in that. Change the slogan from here now to 
coffee shop motherfucker. No, 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 no more coffee shop motherfucker. That's what yeah, I'm, not, I'm no, not a coffee shop motherfucker. Don't make me a coffie shop motherfucker. Yeah, don't, don't make that me. To me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right, let me ask you some uh, other sure. other issues like internationally. You know, sure. uh, what about would you support a um, an attack on North Korea or Iran or anything like that, or another war in general? Um, you know, I was in high school when we had the war in Iraq, um, and my dad had been away my kindergarten year in the first desert storm, uh, when a lot of bad shit happened in my family. I'm not really interested in advancing more wars that are usually just about resource allocation, like getting more oil, for instance, which is why we were in Iraq. Um, you know, my husband's family, uh, he's Korean American, is from predominantly North Korea. Um, he has an aunt that never you know left uh for south korea i i think when we step into places that we are we're not uh welcome it's probably never going to turn out well so i would probably do most things then before i would ever be interested in in invasions that just get us what just about ends strikes? Up like just strikes you mean like drone strikes? Give our military something else to do besides invade civilians' lives. Yeah, I mean, peacekeeping like was supposed to be a thing that um, a lot of military forces engage in. Like that's what you know NATO does globally. That's that's probably what we're going to need if we continue down this path in this country is peacekeeping yeah. forces from somewhere else because we can't trust our own because we can't trust the leadership. Um, I. I think the last thing we need, it's always been, we've always been focused on foreign policy because we are supposed to either get, get something from someone else, that's always driven it, or the idea that we're gonna protect somewhere else in the world. Um, I'm all for lifting up the human rights of people globally, but a lot of the cases where we've tried to do that, we've, been, we've actually made things worse. But is uh, it isn't like a right. lot of the stuff though, like the budget, right? Like there's so, we put so much money into this stuff. Yeah. We'd be taking yeah. that money and using it to better our yeah. lives here, you know? Like I just think that that's yeah. outrageous how much we spend on our military, our police, these forces yeah. that just keep suppressing people instead of actually using that money to help our citizens better themselves. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's, uh, yeah, I agree. Well, there, there I, uh, is a theory that when we take the war there, we keep the terrorists there, you know what I'm saying, instead of them coming to here. But then you just have to look at Syria. I'm not saying I believe in that, I'm saying this is what they say. We, we, we by, by doing whatever we did with, with the last few years of Middle East policy and specifically with Syria, we basically created terrorists on a global level, not just us, but largely yeah. us. Um, yeah. So I am of the generation that grew up only seeing that. And, and it started with my dad being away for a year in kindergarten as a Marine. And um, I don't, we don't need, we don't need more of that. We have a lot of shit to deal with. Now, what I want to say though, is I do think that there's a role for peacekeeping. I do think that there's a role for building infrastructure, um, for promoting, um, democracy not in like a you know full-blown voice of america way but i do believe that um we have 
not now, we don't have the leadership now, but there is a role on a global stage for people who want to support the human rights of others. Unfortunately, we've gotten out of that business and focused exclusively on whatever the hell it is we're doing right now. Um, but a lot of money should be, should be channeled back home. The one caveat I would say when we look at some of the military budget is a lot of that supports um, people who are working, right? It supports the bases, it supports like what my family was, like going to the commissary, all that kind of stuff. And I think to your point, Kate, how do we turn that towards stuff that's actually productive for our country, for our country here and for Americans here? I think our whole philosophy abroad is flawed. Yes. I do think the first Gulf War, though, is justified. What's that? The first Gulf War, I think it was justified. I was there. So. No, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm just thinking generally. Were you in Kuwait? We're, we're, I was born in Kuwait. Oftentimes, we go other places like, hey, guys, this is what you should be doing. Right. Yeah. You know I mean? Instead of going places like, hey, what do you need? Right. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes, exactly. That, that, but that's the point. In the first Gulf War, it was perfectly done because it was, it was a coalition of a lot of people, you know, right. but, a lot of countries. Those, those were people that were like, hey, this is what we need. So I'm exactly. just saying that if you, if you begin with the, with the philosophy of we are here, what can we do to make this situation yeah, better? Absolutely. Versus going to places and saying, let me tell you what you motherfuckers need to do. And that's why I said this stuff. Go ahead, Kate. Well, look at where we do it, too. You know what I mean? Like, we're not even doing it. Like, we've all forgotten about Syria. Like, yes. those are the people that need it. And, like, we're not touching that. Like, Syria doesn't have oil. The one thing I don't want to step away is like when you have a humanitarian crisis where we have, what is it, 70 million people or 65 million people across the globe are, that are displaced. Yeah. We have a role that we have played in that that has been shitty and has led to uh, or exacerbated yeah, a lot of displacement. And it is part of our role to help fix that. But to your yeah. point, John, how do we do that? when we're asked instead of assuming we know the answer. And that is why when we talk about places like North Korea, I'm like, listen, probably the most useful thing for South Korea, which lives along what the DPZ is like this whole, Seoul is basically the, the most under, potentially under fire place in the globe and should be the most concerned about North Korea. Well, we have a lot of relatives in South Korea who say, listen, I don't want to start a war. The, the worst thing you can do for my safety is, is, is escalate shit from abroad. Yeah. So that, I think, goes and back North to North Koreans point. don't even know that they don't want a war. Yeah. <laughs> I, they, North Koreans don't know that they don't have it good because they haven't been anywhere else. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and it's so hard. Think, I think they think this is perfect. Hard. It is yeah. hard. There's absolutely human rights abuses. There are absolutely human rights abuses. So no, I know, I know. one of the things yeah. you, one of the things you like put, put yourself up for if you decide to go into politics um, is, you know, you're, you're going to make decisions that, uh, that have consequence and they're never just cut and dry. But I, I do not think we should be in the business of choosing for other people, absolutely. their own governments because it doesn't work. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, just, I just think that we operate from that place. We operate, I think that this country's always operated from a place that everyone wants to be like America. And it's not true. Or everyone wants to be in America. There's a yeah. lot of immigrants, you know, like there's always been a great immigration debate here. Most people have never sat down ever and had a 10 minute conversation with somebody who has walked over the border and is living here illegally. Most people haven't yeah. had 
eight. Most people don't know the name of the bar back of their favorite bar. Yeah. So I've sat with a lot of these guys. Two of my favorite of them work at this club called Stand Up New York on the Upper West Side. Um, and I love these guys. We always, you know, how's your family? How's your kids? This, that, the other. Both of them, if they had the money, would leave. They don't even want to be here. I mean, another, I, go ahead, Kay. I'm well, sorry, Kay. Go ahead. No, no, no. To that, though, John, it's also uh, when, when Trump started putting out the military and using that force on the civilians, I didn't see that much of a difference, obviously, scale-wise there is, but then what's done in Syria and in these countries that we look at, yeah. like, oh, like there's, you know what I mean? So like, we, yeah, we are no better than yeah. anyone we're, else. We're, we're just we're, not at the same point yet. They're still gassing people. It's not sarin. Yeah. During so an epidemic, during a respiratory disease epidemic, we're still polluting everything, causing asthma, another, Black Lives Matter movement thing. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like we're shit. I half the time don't want to live here. Are you gonna go, Kate? Kate, if you wanna move to Iran with me, I'm I'm thinking about it. If you wanna uh, I, hate, I hate covering up in the summer. <laughs> You'll have your eyes. Uh, well well, um uh, listen, let me ask you who was your um in the Democratic candidates, who was your who did you support from the beginning? Ultimately, I supported Bernie Sanders. Um, for, I was very initially very excited by Kamala, Elizabeth Warren, Julian Castro, and Bernie Sanders. And then the more I heard, the more we were in this election, I was all for Bernie Sanders. I am going to vote for who is now the Democratic nominee. He's, I guess, formally clinched it. Uh, I will vote for Joe Biden but I'm voting for him because he's the Democratic nominee and we need to get this, this asshole out of the White House. But um, he was not my choice. I, I was a huge Bernie guy. I voted for Bernie, um, you know, when it was time to vote, but he's a coffee shop guy. Yeah. There's, there's no need to be- <laughs> I love this guy. coffee shop guy thing. Yo, but there's no need to be running around talking about you're a socialist and yeah. it, it does, you don't need to do that. Especially right. if it didn't work the first time, why would it work the second time? Right, but you know what? To me, that's about you. That's not about winning. That's about yeah. look how pure I am. Who gives a yeah. fuck about that if you are on the sidelines? I was all for his policies. I, I love Bernie, but it was like, you'd rather be right than happy. He would mm -hmm. rather be right than be happy. I would rather be happy than fucking right all the time. Get Absolutely. the seat first, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and they could have got it, yeah. I was well, I guess it's, I guess it like, it is a real privilege to think theoretically about things because it means it never really means anything really significant in your own life. Yeah, it's not, it's not a life or death situation for you. Your kids yeah. aren't going to be taken on the border never to be seen again. You know what I mean? It, 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 for us, it has to move the needle because it could mean yeah. I get choked by the cops and there's, and, and there's nobody to review it because they yep. pull back the, the consent decrees. It really is yep. like the death for some of us. So I don't have time for your fucking, I'm a socialist. Come on, Bernie, you're not trying to get the seat, homie. You on that coffee shop shit, man, miss me with that. Yeah. And that's yeah. why niggas went to the poll in South Carolina, was like, and let's go Biden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that. We don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, there's, well. There's
that he has to be the president. I mean, we can't have Trump. We cannot have more years. And I don't want to say it started with Trump, but we can't handle more years of Trump. There's no way. Well, we can't have Biden just be not Trump either, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> yeah. And it's not only Trump, also the supporting cast around him. You right. know, this all needs to be changed. Yes. So hopefully. I think this oh is going to be an ugly election. I think he's going to lose. I'm telling you, I'm putting it on tape right now. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, he's yeah, going to lock himself in the bunker again. I, I, I agree. Oh, yo, with his taxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, right, final thoughts. Uh, Lindsay, anything you want to say? I mean, I feel like I want to do a bunch of these. Even with Noam, I think that was fun. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, no, always, the, whatever you say is going to say the opposite. Nothing is fun about no. <laughs> I, uh, you know, listen, this is what I, I would love uh, the opportunity to do is be in conversation like this and then do something about it. Um, and, you know, in my view, you can only accomplish a handful of things at any given time. But uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I think typically if you want something done, you give it to a busy mom. I've got a six-year-old in the other room who I'm going to go feed lunch. And um, as it, you know, I'm doing this because I know I have the talent to change things. Uh, not in every way, but we can't have a bunch of people, to your point, John, that talk about policy and have no idea how it actually impacts people's lives, like on a day-in, day-out basis. And like even like, how can you get unemployment to people if the unemployment systems are all messed up across the country or they're set up to have you fail like in Florida or North Carolina. Um, and I think we've had a lot of politicians who just know how to write something and it doesn't ever matter if it goes anywhere. Um, and I'm not spending this much time away from my six year old to just do that same shit for the rest of my life. Uh, it's not worth it to me. None of it is worth it to me unless it actually um, helps people and moves the ball forward. So I'm really excited at the opportunity. I'll come on here as much as I'm welcome. Hopefully of once course. I get elected and, um, as a, especially as a, a, a you know, a woman, I, well, this is a problem. The first, the first thing you're going to do when you get elected. I'm going to come podcast. on and Noam and I are going to hug it out. Um, but <laughs> we do like Noam in this show. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. I will. Um, no, because I love this. I mean, this is, this this is I, can be, I can be myself. And like, there's actually, I actually wrote a bunch of stuff down. Like, how do I get better at communicating X, Y, and Z? Or how do yeah. I go from yeah. making it sound like I'm bullshitting to well, making it real? That's, that's the best to your quality is like, like, I, I see you writing stuff. I see, I see you, like you listen. And hopefully that will continue because a lot of people right now in the office, they don't listen. They have yeah. their own mind. They have their own agenda and it's done, you know, but you listen. Yeah. So if people, if people want to help right now, uh, the election is now the 23rd, right? 23rd, so, yes. What can people do? Go online. They, so it's Lindsay with an E, Boylan.com. They can sign up to volunteer. They can sign you up to right donate. behind me. Yes, yes, exactly. They can sign up to donate. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I'm on Twitter and I answer my own, I do my own Twitter. So if you reach out to me, you're like, I hate how you did that in that interview. You, you'll get me. Or <laughs> I, I need you to focus on this. You'll get me. Yeah. Um, and I need all the help I can in spreading the word because I think what I was going to say is I think we're going to win. I think we can win this, but it's going to require, and I'm, I'm, I'm always the last to overestimate my abilities because, you know, it's just not helpful in life, but I think we have a very good chance at winning this. And I think it, it's, it's going to happen because anyone who, who wants to see more of how I'm trying to do things will tell five of their friends who live in our community or who are influential hey, check out that woman. She doesn't have all the answers, but she's going to work every day to make sure that 
we actually do some shit about the problems we have. And I think those are the kinds of people we need right now. John, you were saying? Oh no! I was just—I found her on Instagram. I was just making sure she was on. Yay! I—I'm—I I, am—I don't. They, I was posting too much. I'm like a mom with a collage book. Um, so <laughs> my younger staffer was like, "Can you not? Because it looks a little too eager and you know thirsty." So she posts for me, but I see everything on there. <laughs> but right. Twitter, I do myself because you can be super over eager, and it's just what people are on Twitter. So I see everything on on Instagram. I just don't post it myself because she told me to stop overdoing it with the mom stuff. All right. All right. Well, excellent. Well, thank you guys so much. Kate, do you want to share information? Anything uh, you want to promote? Yeah. Uh, I'm at Scotch the Cat on Instagram. I'm usually uh, in everything. I've taken a little bit of a hiatus with all this movement stuff to kind of like allow other voices to be on it. But uh, I'm there. I put on my shoes. <laughs> John? Um, uh, big shout out to. Um, what Black Lives Matter? Do we do that? Yeah, of course. Yes. Um, and the George Floyd family, that brother did not go in vain. That's for goddamn mm -hmm. sure. I just want to, uh, yeah, to, to say that. Other than that, um, hit me up, man. Uh, I'm on the Instagram too. My handle's right there in the corner. Okay, uh, he was which, funny. Which is, he was funny in case you're listening. I love that. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. I love with, that. With a, with a post going viral right now as we speak. There you go. And Lindsay. Oh, I'm excited. Lindsay, your contact. Well, I, I don't know what the post is, so I'll just say I'm going to look at it. You know, sometimes when you say excited, I don't want to be like, it's a really bad thing, but I'm <laughs> going to go and look. Lindsay, your, your, uh, your contacts is uh, lindsayboylan.com. Dot com. And uh, if you have an idea, my email is lindsay at lindsayborland.com and I'm, I'm on Twitter. So you can message me that way. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I know we can win this if people keep spreading the word and, um, helping me to be a better, uh, candidate and leader by saying, Hey, this needs to be solved or this needs to be focused on, or this needs to change. And so I love that kind of, um, that way we can talk. So I appreciate this time and I hope we do it again soon after yeah. I win. And um, I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, it's it's wonderful for me. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you very much. And if you live in the Upper West Side or South of Brooklyn. Or Chelsea or, or Hell's Chelsea. Kitchen or The Village or Tribeca or Battery Park City or Wall Street or Sunset oh. Park. Oh, or... I'm voting for you then. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes, please. So, <laughs> get some friends and go vote for Lindsay and we'll, uh, yeah. you know, hopefully we'll change things. And the first, yes. first, first, do me a favor. The first thing you do when you come back if you win, yes. make Noam put the wall back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, no, I'm going to come with a t-shirt that says, has a heart on it and it says Noam in it, too. He, I'm he just going to freak that man out. He annoyed me with that wall. He cares about this wall more than the Mexican wall. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. The original Build-A-Wall. <laughs> Sam, I'll be out of work for seven weeks. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much. And you can go to uh, livefromamericapodcast.com. And this will be live in about two hours. Every Yay. Live. So, Yay. Thank you. All right. Have thank a good you one. so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Good luck, thank Lindsay. You. All right. Thank you so nice much. Thank you so much.